0: So we've got to make a romantic comedy which features the concepts of ape jail, beekeeping, police ship, and it's got to be called Cat Juice.
1: Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare, and if that small excerpt did not move you, if it didn't sound like your sort of thing, then friend, dear friend, today's show will have nothing for you. This is a show about writing for writers, for readers, and for anyone who's interested, who has a morbid fascination in knowing how the sausage is made. We like to uh, basically talk about writing, and today my guest is Nate Crowley, and he's been on the show before. It is, he's the most popular guest I've ever had on, and I enjoy his company very much and admire him as a writer, so of course... I, you know wanting an excuse to have him back on and we talked about it a bit and you know last time he came on we talked a bit he was one of the first guests I had on and we talked a bit about idea generation coming up with ideas because he's an amazing guy when it comes to ideas and that sounds like I'm sort of uh, denigrating his ability to deal with style and character and stuff I'm not at all but He's often done these kind of amazing things on Twitter and stuff. He's a great, you know, he uses microblogging in one of the least toxic, most creative ways I've encountered just to write these tiny little vignettes and short stories. And he did this great thread of ideas for video games that don't exist. So he seemed like a good person to have a chat with about coming up with ideas and then we we're like well we've already talked about coming up with ideas a bit wouldn't it be better to kind of put our money where our mouth is and kind of workshop some ideas so just that went round in the sort of hallucinatory rock tumbler that is both of our brains and and we decided that we'd do a kind of well you'll hear from the episode We decided we were going to randomise it, throw some words together, and try and generate some movie pitches. This will be, uh, I suppose, like an interesting episode for you if you do story writing of any type. If, you know, it's rare that I meet someone who just can't come up with an idea for a story at all. Often, you know, you've got ideas knocking around but, of course, the stories aren't made up of one idea. They're made up of dozens and dozens of ideas. Each scene is an opportunity for ideas for what's going to happen in this scene that's original, that's interesting, what, uh, you know? how can I overcome this problem in a way that's novel, in a way that grabs the reader's attention, in a way that, that adds value and gives something back and isn't something that the reader could have just anticipated themselves. So I think like, the need and the value of generating ideas is evergreen actually in probably whatever profession you have but particularly and most literally in story making whether it's for the screen for the page or in poems so that's what we did um and we had a we had we had a chat and you'll hear it's a really uh I, I you know I found it very fun listening back and editing today's episode um and we go through our plan which was a little bit you know we've not either of us done anything like this before so it's a bit of an experiment this one but i'm not gonna you know i'm not gonna apologize for it because i think it's really fun it's just very much not like any episode we've done before so uh heads up if you you know if you think that the writing (laughs) if you think that my writing rambles unscripted get get gnarly uh, you ain't seen nothing yet But, you know, this is an episode where you get a little bit of an insight into how both of our minds work and how we come up with ideas and one practical exercise, I guess, that you can replicate yourself. And uh, if you like this episode, let me know, because this is the kind of thing I certainly enjoyed doing it. And if I can get an excuse to do more of them, I will do. But basically, I need to know that you guys enjoyed it and then if you know because if, if you don't then uh you know it's something i'll do in my private time but not on the show but really really enjoyed having nate crowley on the show again um if you go into the show notes you, there's his twitter handle uh, at frog croakley there and you can go and find out everything he's up to a few of the projects that he mentions he alludes to in this episode uh have now been announced so you can uh go and find out what the mystery is all about. Just to say before we start, if you like this show, um, the show doesn't have a sponsor, so there's a link in the show notes to my coffee page. That's uh, ko fi.com forward slash Tim Clare. That's what lets me pay for the hosting on SoundCloud and for the hosting of my website and just helps me keep the lights on here. If you want to uh, chuck a few quid into the hat, I surely do appreciate it and thank you to everyone who's done that already. This show is entirely funded by listeners and um, I'm just so happy that I've got such a generous community. I'm not going to talk in this intro about what happened last week, uh, but we had the first ever proper Death Death of a Thousand Cuts live show in London at Foils Charing Cross with me and Joe Dunthorne and a bunch of you came out. And I wanna sort of devote some proper time to talking about that because it was just magical. It was absolutely wondrous for me. I it was great to meet people who listened to the podcast who were just uniformly awesome, so nice. The crowd was so warm. We looked at some people's first pages. I got to chat to people afterwards, people who listen to the show, you know, you do, I've done 150 episodes now just over that. And, you know, you sometimes forget that there are, you know, that you've been on this journey with me and that you're there writing and you're there having your own writing experience and working on stuff. We're all in this together. You know, we're all writing and we all have our difficult days sat at the computer and we all have our triumphs and getting to share with a few people face to face some of their successes, some of their challenges, some of the ways that they've been developing, some goals that they've still got which you know life you know life's problems are are self-replenishing right it's just like phlegm in your mouth like you can never spit it out there'll always more will appear that's our life is always going to be challenges the creative problems that we face are managed not solved right we're always going to be dealing with them because they are the source they are the fertilizer they are the earth in which the beautiful lotus of our creative endeavors blossoms and it was just lovely to hang out with those of you who came And I know that lots of more of you would have liked to have come as well. And so, you know, I'm going to try and do more. It certainly made me feel I would love to do more live shows because it was just really nice. And it was only afterwards that I was like, that is the first time. I was, you know, I was very nervous, but it was that it's so weird to realise that I went on stage with my friend Joe and we had no script. And we went up there and we talked for an hour and a half. like Because I'm used to going and doing stage shows, right, where I, I do an hour, like 55 minutes, and every word is scripted. I've gone up and done shows where I've learned like a 9,000 word script. And I went up on stage and I didn't know what I was going to say, because I was just talking about grammar and 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 the audience were nice and they were like cool yeah we're here that's what we're here for so I really enjoyed it and thank you for coming out uh, just just I feel ex- I don't, you know I don't want to be smug and be like hashtag blessed but it was just really nice and I'm full of gratitude and I want to make it up to you guys by you know doing as much great content on this podcast as I can and helping you with your writing and supporting and helping us just develop this community of writers who are all helping each other to write more write better and be happier as we do it let's fill the world with some great stories right so I hope you enjoy this episode it's certainly silly and there's some technical stuff in there but I hope most of all that when you listen to it you feel inspired and that you have fun this is me and Nate Crowley story smashing the first thing I wanted to ask you actually was what's the earliest story you can remember telling
0: oh wow I think now this is might be a cheat answer but I think I was around four uh, and it was a retelling of a dream I'd had um, I nice. so used to have very vivid dreams and I used to make little picture books of them. Um, Holy shit really yeah I'd make these little books so that I could remember them and so I I want to say I was five but it's hard to remember how old you are when these things happen so I I, uh, I could have been four, five six but that kind of age uh, and the dream was I still remember it quite vividly actually. I was a small sauropod dinosaur, and I lived with other. What's a, what's a sau? What part of dinosaurs are sauropods? Oh, okay, they're the the long neck men, essentially. Oh, nice. Um, and nearby to where I lived with the family of other dinosaurs uh, was a big castle uh, on a hill where Ronald McDonald lived. <laughs> And that
1: is not that that pan that you just did from the sort of gentle sauropods in the uh, Mm -hmm. land before humans um, panning around to Ronald McDonald. What a reveal.
0: Well, Tim, it gets worse um, because and this is actually astonishing how dark. A concept this was but <laughs> i found out he was making his burgers from children um <laughs> and so i led the dinosaurs on this crusade to demolish ronald mcdonald's castle
1: oh my god
0: um
1: and that's inc- and that is extra noble because you had no dog in that fight you're a dinosaur you could have just stepped back and let him consume the children. Or were they children dinosaurs?
0: No, they were, they were human children. Um, so uh, impossibly noble of you to step up. Yeah, I like to think so. I mean, that was um, really prefiguring the Pixar story, The Good Dinosaur, by... You know, a good good 30
1: years. (laughs)
0: But, uh, yeah, no, we, I mean, uh, I remember the only other details worth noting were that to get to Ronald McDonald's Castle, we had to travel through a lake uh, which contained uh, giant Doric columns, on the top of which were standing monkeys that hurled balls of energy at us. uh, And the dinosaurs were all wearing cool tribal war paint. Um, it's actually wow. quite sick as a concept for dinosaurs. That's that's
1: so, and so you and so you would make these into into kind of picture books.
0: Yeah, I think that one may still be around somewhere in the stuff that I um, saved from mum and dad's house. So uh, yeah, I would I would make these little books uh, that's with incredible. my very amateurish imitations.
1: That's but that's like a that sounds like a DMT trip report or something yeah. that's like so vivid do you think you have you i mean did you did you tend to have have you always had vivid dreams or cuz like oh, i just have dreams about like my most exciting dreams are i win 25 quid on like the Jackie repeater on a on a fruit machine right and then i wake up and i don't have 25 pounds in pound coins and i'm like oh <laughs>
0: no I've always had really um really big dreams um that sounds self- aggrandizing but you know what I mean I've very vivid uh involved memorable yeah yeah I mean sometimes quite narrative dreams I mean yeah Oniric logic is a load of bollocks isn't it but sometimes they sort of you know put two and two together and make four i I,
1: I think it's, it' it absolutely amazes me how. Um, if you don't mind my saying, on brand, that initial dream is for like the content and interests of what you've come to write about, you know, it's like uh, the kind of predations of big kind of like faceless grinding monoliths, like mixed with the freakishly weird and quite cool stuff from different parts of pop culture
0: oh yeah it was yeah it it was basically schneider rack but with fast food uh and dinosaur protagonists
1: yeah i was gonna say (laughs) Uh, so so uh, it's really great thank you for coming back on the show because the last episode we did i had a lot of fun and is one of the most listened to chats uh we, we had so i thought it'd be good to kinda of like wring the last kind of like droplets of joy joy out this particular um this particular hanky and um and and I'm fully tank this time by doing something awful. Um so <laughs> we're gonna we agreed uh, beforehand, of course you know this, I'm saying this uh for the benefit of our putative audience, um, that we're gonna have a go uh because we talked a lot about idea creation last time. And coming up with ideas, world building coming up with characters, coming up with conflicts, and so we thought it might be fun to do we wanted an excuse to chat again, and we thought it might be fun to do something kind of live um yeah, I'm quite nervous how are you how are you feeling
0: it's um i th- I think this will be fun actually i i did um i've been doing some lectures at Ravensbourne university on like um narrative theory and things for their film students in their first year which is really really fun um we did an exercise kind of like this in january actually um where i got them uh i gave them all some really awkward prompts and then you know a little time to develop sort of film pictures and then asked them some difficult questions on it so i feel it's only karmic really that now i'm on the end of that same fork
1: <laughs> can you well that's a, actually this is a really good opportunity for us to to lay the uh preposterous uh theoretical groundwork that we're going to then um build a uh, ronald mcdonald's horror castle on top of <laughs> um can you I, i'd be really interested to know if there's some sort of like some of the some of the stuff i'm not asking you i'm not a monster i'm not asking you to repeat verbatim your entire lectures that you've done but some some of the what are the basic things that you're thinking about when you're kind of thinking about setting up a story or like what the stakes are or um, what's like a what was like one of the ways in that you were telling those students
0: okay yeah so I, I suppose three things I think two of which we talked about last time the one thing was talking about turning uh, limitations or strictures into opportunities for storytelling so the idea that the more Potential pathways you could go down have been closed off by rules. Uh, the more time you can spend thinking about the pathways you can go down and how you can avoid sort of the paralysis of indecision that way. So, yeah, looking at turning, yeah, looking at finding ways to put the first dot on a blank page and how conversely uh, a rule about what you can't do uh, can actually form the first bit of positive space. Uh, in a story, if that doesn't sound complete bullshit,
1: no, I it, I think it. I was thinking about this yesterday. I just got the latest uh, a volume of My Hero Academia fell through my door, and um, a, a couple of characters. It's a superhero manga, and a couple of characters basically explained their superpowers, their quirks, as they're called in universe. Mm. And basically, mainly what they were explaining when they were doing it, because it's there's all a series in uh, My Hero Academia of like. Uh, tiny hard magic systems basically with all the heroes like one of them is called twice and he can make clones and he was explaining oh like I can only make up to two clones um the second one is always going to be crappy and will fall apart quickly and I've got to have stats before I can make a clone of something and he like pulled out on his wrist where like Spidey would have his like it would be able to shoot web he's got like a tape measure and he gets like the person's he needs to get the person's height their shoe size like those kind of stats and then he can make a clone of them and so he's like that's the limitation if i don't have that it'll be a really crap clone that will fall apart immediately and i can only make two and i can't clone myself so it was, it was almost all limitations his descriptions of his powers but immediately you're like oh i bet the school where all these superhero kids go to has got all that data in the medical office. So now you're thinking, God, what if he snuck in? And immediately it starts suggesting stories. It's really weird, Whereas just going, oh, you can just make clones of anything. doesn't suggest any stories at all.
0: Well, this is um, in the 90s why I always enjoyed reading X-Men more than, you know, uh, sort of DC comics, because a lot of the best X-Men stories were about what characters couldn't do, like Rogue couldn't touch people she loved or she'd steal their powers. Um, Cyclops couldn't take off his spectacles or he'd annihilate people with red beams.
1: Which is a kind of a nerd nerd fantasy, right? And yeah. The idea that like, my glasses <laughs> were now, it's like, I actually can't take these off because.
0: <laughs> I'd blast people, yeah. And then, whereas, you know, I mean, obviously um, anyone even slightly schooled in dc superheroes could absolutely beast me on this point but my perception at the time was it was about you know all about what characters could do like superman's pantheon of abilities and batman's you know all-round excellence um yeah it's all it's all good stuff but i i always like the x-men stories because they seem to be driven by what people couldn't do so yeah limitations
1: so that's number one what's what's number two
0: uh it was uh, talking so talking about lateral thinking and this actually stems quite nicely off of the chat about restrictions so uh, for example in that pitching exercise i just talked about that i did with the students i give them all three phrases or concepts um that they had to build their pitches around. And the big rule I made was they couldn't be comedy stories, so you couldn't just do absurdist connections between the things. It has to be, like, deadly serious Oscar bait that they're pitching. Um, And one of the students came up to me and said, yeah, you just said this has to be serious, but you've given me the prompt ape jail. Um, (laughs) And I was like, yes, yes, I have, but I've only given... (laughs) I've only... oh, I'm so on
1: board. I'm so glad that I'm not a um, a Hollywood producer because I would just, I would be, I would be broke in a day from like slapping all my money down on God. people just <laughs> give me two word pitches and going yes.
0: Well, I really liked what what this group did in the end because I said, well, look, if you don't think you can make something serious about a primate prison, you know what. Like what else could Ape Jail mean that isn't an ape a jail for apes? And one of them said, Well APE could be an acronym for like advanced penitentiary brackets experimental. I was like, Thank you. Okay, so now you can go off and do some sci fi prison thing, can't you? And leave the apes behind. So I think yes so number number one is uh you know, freedom is having rules, I guess. Uh, number two is, you know, you've got even more freedom when you learn how to bend the rules. Um, and as for the third point, so your, your third thing, and this is the one we did actually talk about quite a lot last time, but I think is, especially for the exercise we're looking at maybe doing today, really key, is extrapolation. Oh, I, gee, I don't really know much, like, formally about sort of philosophy and, and rhetoric and stuff, but... From what I understand you build arguments out of syllogisms, right?
1: I feel like saying the phrase what's a syllogism is setting me up for a, a Marx Brothers style. <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs> no, it's the kind of word I I use um after a couple of pints thinking I'm a bit of an intellectual, but now I'm actually doing it on a recording.
1: You feel you feel I, you feel like I feel when I make a metaphor using a sport like football and then i and then i and then this like flop sweat goes over me as i go i don't know anything about football
0: and you realize someone listening will know exactly what a syllogism is um and uh, call me out so i'm looking it up and it is what i thought it is thank god um a, a syllogism is an instance of a form of reasoning in which conclusion is drawn from two given or assumed propositions or premises. A common or middle term is present in the two premises, but not in the conclusion, which may be invalid. So, for example, all dogs are animals. All animals have four legs. Therefore, all dogs have four legs. Um, So, yeah, uh, extrapolation and and sort of building up stories from that sort of logic. So go back to your measurements, man, who you were talking about. um, And classic construction of a syllogism there because uh, he said so he can make clones but he has to have this information therefore if he got into a situation oh um i suppose you've got a third premise haven't you that there would be you know this school or whatever would store all of that information yeah yeah so okay if you take those two premises the store the school must store this information and if he has this information, he can do He eggs. can make
1: clones, yeah.
0: Then if he gets into the school store, things get really interesting. So, the, yeah, you've got a lot of story seeds coming from that, right?
1: Uh, so, okay, so it's it's the same thing as... I was heard, hearing... I never know how to pronounce his name. Some people call him China Meevil. Some people call him China Meeville. I don't know.
0: I always just pounce in on Mayville. Which...
1: In fact, we discussed him last time, and I must have... I must have said his name out loud. No, maybe I just let you do it. And like nodded when we talked about Pedido Street Station. But <laughs> someone, someone, someone had asked him a uh, a young interviewer, like a uh, from school, a student asked him with the city in the city where there is two c- parallel cities that exist, kind of in the same spaces, and people just you just ignore one part of the city, one city, and see the other. Someone asked, "Oh, what if the two cities co-hosted the Olympics?" and he and he was like oh that's a cool idea it is a bit like you know when was it japan and south korea shared the olympics and he was like yeah like it's like there would be here's the way things you'd have a joint opening ceremony here's they both have teams and and then yeah he was like coming out with and so yeah you're right it's like it's really interesting you're like going okay given this what then happens if we add this into the mix what's the kind of most interesting place we can take that
0: yeah it's adding a modifier isn't it it's um i suppose uh it, it's a bit like a table right uh, not like the furniture <laughs> i'm
1: so looking for oh okay <laughs> I, was, I was like what What an amazing what an amazing like it's classic metaphor it's got <laughs> i know you were going to name each of the four legs no, without one it... of those legs it won't won't stand up
0: this isn't a powerpoint no no this is um although ironically i am talking about microsoft excel because uh, that's <laughs> the kind of table i meant where you've got like say you've got a table which is one column by 10 rows you know and that one column is defined by the thing you know about your story so yeah let's use the city in the city there are two cities which sort of overlap um and then That's your column, and your different rows are the different stories you can tell in that. Your second column would be, and the Olympics are being hosted. And then you've got iterations of all those stories, which also involve the Olympics being hosted. Uh... You've just added another... So suddenly you've gone from having 10 stories to having 20 stories, because you've added a new a uh, set of conditions. You've added a new modifier to that world, I suppose.
1: Hang on. So you could be... So, like, taking your example of people getting a prompt and then having to modify it, you could do the same thing where you have the... In the, in the kind of up-down, in the X column at the end, you have Ape Jail. And then you go, OK, what's Ape Jail if it's science fiction? What's Ape Jail... Da- ape jail if it's grim dark what's yeah. ape jail if it's literary social realism what's ape jail what would ape jail look like if it's a romance
0: exactly exactly so you've
1: got in each of those each of those two inputs creates a completely new thing yeah so... or, or a different flavor of the thing
0: so your rows in that instant are your different desired outcomes right in terms of what you want this finished story to be. Do you want it to be um, a sci-fi thriller? Do you want it to be uh, literary social realism? Right? So those are your, your rows are your desired outcomes and your columns are the different factors feeding in. So, for example, column one, ape jail. Column two, elephant seals. Column three, the Olympics are being hosted there, etc. They're your conditions hmm. and the things you're throwing in and it'd be quite interesting looking at the matrix that would come out of that. So,
1: if we're going to do this, how do you suggest we I'm just really interested to leap straight into uh, I've you know done it before but I I wonder if we can just come up with ideas for let's just like let's let make a best-selling novel, right?
0: Yeah, that's that. Well, let's uh, let's make a whole matrix of best-selling novels since we've got the time, yeah.
1: Exact exa- and I think also the other thing that you know you kind of suggesting there that I strongly believe in is it's actually easier to come up with 10 ideas than it is to come up with one because knowing chances are anything that comes out your mouth will be one of the nine Mm. that you throw away so then you're kind of free to it's why bots are so good at being twitter bots are so good at being creative because they don't worry about getting it wrong so they get to make mistakes that sometimes turn out really
0: well that is a bloody good observation actually yeah um, or like spiders get less frightening the more of their legs are stuck to a bit of paper with glue on. <laughs> that metaphor started somewhere really strong in my head. It was very very poor when real, it came out.
1: Real, tra- <laughs> real tragic. Real tragic. It's just a sad thought, isn't it? It's just a just a poor poor, poor spider. Um, so what do you? Where do you want to start? We can start with. What were, what were the kind of prompts that you were using? Should we try and get a couple of the, the that kind of style of prompts that you were using with the film students and then see how we can inflect them and how we can put some restrictions on them?
0: Shall I start up an Excel sheet and share a yeah, you? Go for it.
1: Yes. Oh yes, please. Oh I'm so in I'm so into this. Um I got for Christmas I got some generic um storytelling device. Um fast, fantastic ninger storytelling dice oh yeah
0: danish
1: danish storytelling dice so i can um if we need any nouns or any themes then i will be able to um to cast cast the bones and uh see what we get
0: those dice are wicked i've got a set somewhere as well they are i'm going to use them when i'm too tired to come up with stories to tell my daughter i'm going to use them to do the work for me nice
1: So we've just um set up a, uh, a a a shared document with some columns do you wanna do you want to I- explain roughly how we're gonna how we're gonna be trying to mash these ideas together
0: yeah I really love this because it sounds like the worst formula for a podcast ever two <laughs> novelists <laughs> use Microsoft Excel live on air um
1: I mean, when you sound, I think you may be misusing the art of simile. Where when you say it sounds like (laughs) the worst,
0: (laughs) it may be. Uh, Let's (laughs) give it a go. So, okay, the 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 way we've decided to interpret uh, the chat we've just been having is to do this table where on the left we've got our desired genre outcomes. um, As we said before, we'll work what those out, uh, what those are out shortly. So that's the first. Column, um, And then every subsequent column is going to be headed by a stipulation. uh,
1: Yeah, I I would like to I'd I'd like to rebrand the stipulations as as, as, as narrative touchstones. Touchstones. Imagine, imagine basically that we have got a capricious but hugely rich backer who is going to make this movie. All it has to do is hit their uh, rather idiosyncratic narrative touchstones that they've said, it's got to have this, it's got to have this. We know, we've heard from the industry that this is what this person loves.
0: That makes this uh, an extra powerful exercise because uh, any sort of commercial creative work will smash you constantly against those cliffs.
1: So... This is a. We are basically we're we're doing genres, and then we are we are then satisfying the whims of uh, like yeah, capricious story emperors.
0: Okay, so let's call the let's call the rows genres, and we'll call the columns whims.
1: Okay. Cool. Awesome. genres and whims so should we let's 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 get some genres down straight away that should theoretically be the sort of more straightforward thing
0: yeah uh let's in fact let's do have you got a d10 on you of course excuse you
1: (laughs) have i got a d10 i'll just open my um yeah here's a d10 uh shall i shall i roll it
0: yeah so let's well let's do 10 genres and then we'll roll to see which one comes out first yeah
1: okay so um can i get cowboy in there please
0: cowboy is the first genre yep i'm gonna say uh, romantic comedy your turn
1: sports underdog
0: yep that's good. Uh, I'm going to say... Uh, oh, wait,
1: I can write things into this thing. That's the whole point of this, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This... I'm such an idiot. I was just letting you be the scribe because I... <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, I could I could have written the thing and I suggested. Wow.
0: We're like a triumvirate, but we're two of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's say American US competitive music... Film. you know the ones i mean yeah um,
1: you, you mean you mean like bring it on and stuff like yeah, that.
0: yeah yeah
1: um okay then i'm going to say i would like martial arts i think
0: powerful i'm gonna say cheap but serious 80s horror so sort of john carpenter stuff i uh, will not cheap. In you old. know what i mean
1: yeah yeah i know, know what you mean like just cheerfully uh cheerfully homemade yeah uh yeah cool okay rags to riches period drama
0: erotic that's great uh, i'm gonna say pixar that's a <laughs> genre it is
1: yeah no it's definitely it's yeah it's definitely an aesthetic and a mood um moralistic b movie so you know like the cautionary tales that they do where someone um smokes too much weed yeah uh,
0: yeah reefer madness kind of stuff yeah exactly that yeah uh, and i will finish us off with hmm, what's really what's really lacking here what's not at this party
1: oh cool so this is a thing that we can say like that can be a really nice way when you're looking at stuff is to look what's like the opposite or where's like the where's the um the void that you haven't filled and go for something that's the the opposite well we've
0: hmm it's always also a good way of It's a nice alarm bell to have to think about representation in your work as well. Uh, Like, what doesn't this have um, is often the moment when you realise, like, you've... Yeah, you've perhaps not made the work all it could be politically. Like, that's... I always uh, find a handy one.
1: Yeah, and that's one of the reasons why um, sometimes we naturally... um, We don't naturally do that sometimes, because often the The initial discovery is not a pleasant one. Like you, you don't you don't look at what you're missing and go, "Oh, brilliant! I um, I've covered everything." Like by its nature, it's a little bit of a kind of like unpleasant wake up. Yeah. It makes the work better if you can go through that thing of going, "Okay, so I'm not perfect. I can do better." If you can step through that, great. You're going to make the work better.
0: I'm going to say mockumentary for this one. Nice, because we haven't got any sort of. Um... Like, I, I love fictional non fictioners you know, and I think that's a good one to have in there. So, right, we've got ten genres. Now, for the whims, Oh, here's an exciting way we could do this. Yeah, go on. Right, okay, I'm changing the rules on the spot, but let me know what awesome. you think. So if we do these whims, what we could do is roll, if we come up with 20 whims then we can roll a D10 and a D20 like a a random encounter table uh, in D&D. And then, so rather than stacking what we... Well, rather than initially stacking whims, we just find combinations of genre and whim. But then, to make it hard, we'll create uh, another table below, bear with us, listener, where we can do it multiple times. So, for example, uh, if we rolled martial arts against ape jail we'd have to come up with that and then we'd roll the d20 again to get a second whim to stack on top of that and see how many times we can do it without it getting silly
1: although i do feel now we've said martial arts and ape jail there are around around the globe listeners there's just like dangling pairs of headphones as people run to um (laughs) to run to uh to copyright um, a martial arts movie called Ape Jail because
0: it's going to be sickening yeah. if that doesn't happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, I know. My confidence is absolute. Um, awesome. I'm, I'm so, I'm so frighteningly up, up for
0: this. Okay, we'll do, we'll do. Um, because 20 we'll take, we'll have to do a lot of scrolling, so we'll just do yeah. ten. We'll do just ten, do
1: ten, and then I can, I can get my two D, my two D, I can get my D one hundred out.
0: Oh, of course, yeah. Right, I'll just make that a nice colour. Um, oh, I do love a recreational spreadsheet. Yeah,
1: I it. know, isn't it great? It's very. But this is the thing, right? I, 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 I do... doing things like this also take a lot of the sort of portentous. Um, oh I'm an author out of it because they make it fun and they make it and like your brain just kind of like looking at this goes well no one could ever suspect me of being serious about this and so when you sneakily back into an idea that you quite like you've got kind of you've got kind of you've got covering fire you can pretend you're joking
0: and I think the stipulation that we need to to give ourselves here as well um, in order for this to be fair like, because it would be very easy to come up with absolutely ludicrous things. We do, like like kind of I did with the students, we have to come up with things that could conceivably win an Academy Award if they were filmed, right? So, you know, these have to be, or at least, you know... Um, because or there's... Within,
1: or, Yeah, martial, martial arts maybe, but we're, like, saying within its genre it has to be sort of well thought of and... We can't just do like completely wacky things, is what you're saying. Yeah,
0: exactly. It has to be like you could take this to a billionaire and be like, "Listen, this is why I need two hundred mil." Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so let's come up with our whims. Uh, I think one has to be ape gel. We can't avoid that now.
1: We yeah, it's the ape gel is the is the ape in the room really now.
0: Now we've said it, that's fine. So. Your, your turn for the second whim, and this can be this can be a phrase, it can be a character, uh, it can be anything.
1: Cavalry uniform.
0: Yeah, that's good. That's good. Right. So the third one is going to be beekeeping. Nice. Your shot.
1: Um, have you got any advice for like how you kind of like do these without uh, getting in your own way?
0: Yeah, that's actually. That throws up an interesting question in itself. I suppose, again, it's like looking at opposites. Actually, no, that's that's a lie. I'll tell you, i come up with the next one. It's Ancient Egypt, but that's because the first thing that came to my mind was Ancient Egypt, and then I thought, that isn't (laughs) a thing, so I'll come up with a sensible version of it. Um, So, that might might be some decent advice. Uh, Let free association happen, but then find ways to rationalise it.
1: I rolled my story dice, and I've got Cat Juice.
0: Cat Juice. Okay, fine, that's in. I'm I gonna. I
1: owe you another one as well. Yeah, you do. Ladder Tragedy.
0: Ladder Tragedy. Interesting. Okay. Um, I'm going to say 80s Pro Wrestling. Because <laughs> I love it. Can I just shout out to my friend, Trevor Wood, who came up with a brilliant idea the other day for... A, a production of Macbeth uh, set in an 80s wrestling promotion called Untimely Ripped. Uh, <laughs> I think that's so good. Like, honestly, it would be amazing if you filmed it all like 80s WWF, complete with the screen graphics and everything, and just wrestlers giving Shakespearean soliloquies to camera with a microphone while Mean Gene nods beside them. Like, that's... Um, yeah, that's that's powerful. My friend Mark actually came up with that latter idea. It's uh, I think that one needs invested in investing in
1: uh, a summoning circle. Summoning circle.
0: Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm gonna say um, '90s booze cruises to France. Ooh. I'm trying to get some time period things. Um, okay.
1: Uh, in that case, I don't want to do anything too contemporary, otherwise we'll just kind of wade into uh, on-the-nose satire. So I will say a monastery.
0: A monastery. Lovely. Should we come up with ten more?
1: Do, we, do you think we need ten more at this stage, or are you saying because we've got to layer them?
0: Yeah, we're going to layer them. We'll keep ending up coming up with the same ones. Um... Yeah, okay so Uh, let's
1: let's let's do 10 more
0: if you create the um if you type them in i'll do the spreadsheet formatting because that's very oh wow Uh,
1: okay so uh i'm gonna say
0: the the first one has to be sick tortoise
1: okay gullible dad
0: and i will say haunted advert
1: fire poi
0: oh a river um, of fire.
1: Nostril. Oh, oh good. I'm sorry that. Yeah, I'm sorry that sounds a bit self-consciously uh, wacky, but we can find ways that it's not.
0: No, that's that's the point. That's the point. I think that's good. Uh, so, in fact, I'm going to say clown car.
1: Oh, nice. Okay. Cheese wedding.
0: Ah, some classic monkey cheese random.
1: Yeah, I know there. exactly. That's very good. All we all we need is is like haddock and <laughs> pineapple, and we're. Uh, <laughs>
0: okay what have we what have we not had we haven't had many emotions so i'm gonna say rage
1: okay um we'll put in rage and then oh i let's uh let's contribute one one word each to this one nice you go you go first i'll go second i've got mine in my head police
0: ship (laughs) nice (laughs) <laughs> the old okay, basic. okay, and okay. I am now going to reveal the secret last rule to this game. Oh, okay. Once we've rolled three times for each desired outcome, so we've got three whims to go with it. We roll a fourth time to get the title of the story.
1: Oh my gosh! Okay, cool. Oh my gosh!
0: Yeah, and then we have to work it out.
1: Okay, let let's go. Um, do you want me to roll?
0: I tell you what I'll get a, a digital roller up because I haven't got my d20 on me and you do the d10 I'll do the d20
1: Okay here goes then right so
0: I got 2 so it's a romantic comedy and the first of our d20 rolls is oh wow 1 so it's eight jail um you give us the next one. Okay. Beekeeping. So ape jail, beekeeping, and I'll do... The third one is... Oh, 20. So police ship.
1: <laughs> I'm kind of quite glad that police ship's in there.
0: And if you roll, you give us the title. Um, So d20? Yep.
1: I got I got police ship again. Should I re-roll? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got uh five cat juice
0: okay so we might we now we've got to chew what we've bitten um, oh
1: my god this is like it felt i was so excited when we were just like <laughs> laying this down i was like and now we're just gonna come skidding off and go turns out creativity is uh, really hard and uh, this is a bad <laughs> way of doing it oh my god what are we gonna do
0: so we've got to make a romantic comedy which features the concepts of ape jail, beekeeping, police ship, and it's got to be called Cat Juice. This can't be wacky. We, you know, we can't just do zany rib can It can
1: have, have humour, but the humour arises out of character, not just sticking stuff together and people slipping on a banana peel, landing in poop and going, I done a duty." <laughs> like, it's got to be, it's got to be like, there's got to be a, a heart to it, and it's got to be like a romantic comedy, right?
0: Yeah. So who are our... Okay, let's practice what we preach. All stories are about people, so we need to figure out who the people are in this setting. And I suggest if it's a romantic comedy, we probably need to work out who our two romantic interests are. I suppose one's a beekeeper.
1: If one if one's a beekeeper, then I guess... See, Ape Jail, I suppose I'm, I'm getting the link between them that they're both animals... And I guess I've got the police ship in there as well. And I would think like a cruise liner, like the love ship, like the thing about that is it's a closed environment, right? When people are off, like things that happen on there, any conflict is exaggerated because it's a one community. You can't go away from it. So if there's a problem, if you're stuck with the same person on that ship, then there's more so i would you realize say,
0: you're literally describing hotel transylvania 3 a monster vacation
1: i'm so glad if we just burrow up inside a movie that already exists i'm gonna be <laughs> psyched i'm gonna imagine that we've basically just recreated completely spontaneously how they came up with it right so here's what can, here's what i'm thinking right if there's a i'm um, Please feel free to like uh, roll over any of the stuff. I'm just shooting stuff out there. Yeah, but like if there's a beekeeper, if there, why would a beekeeper and somebody who works with apes be on the same ship? Well, imagine that it's one of these cruise liners that's used for like conventions, and different groups can hire out different parts of the ship. Well, take a
0: step back here. It a cruise. I really like the cruise liner framing device, and I want to use it. But how's it a police ship?
1: Well, I imagine that there's some kind of secret policeman's ball on there as well like that there's some kind of like meeting of the police community on the ship like that there is okay a huge yeah. police convention on the ship so let's look um, at
0: let's look at other connections we've got there so um, jail and police connect apes and bees connect um i really so brilliant cruise liner there's loads of cops partying on it and then Yeah, I suppose, how do we connect the police to the jail and then connect the apes to the bees?
1: So it includes new forms of forensics and, like, there's new... Maybe maybe they're not separate things. Maybe if we're going to, like, really push it, then these... It's all the same convention and this beekeeper is...
0: A fish out of water. They're there to give a presentation on bee-based forensics to all of the because it's like an entertainment cruise and the police want this lecture on the use of bees in forensics so there's this really yeah fish out of water beekeeper who's there to give a presentation
1: maybe yeah maybe this this beekeeper is like uh, they're generally quite like a withdrawn character who has brought all their bees on to talk about colony collapse but also how like bees can uh, ha- okay so the, the the beekeeper was involved in uh, he's an urban beekeeper yeah keeps like hives on roofs and was involved in was like a key witness in a solving like a series of serious crimes where the bees ended up like going out and Collecting pollen from places that were able to prove, like this flower was here, and therefore they were able to trace back to the kind of killer's house. So he's talking w- without really wanting to. They be- they've become like a celebrity celebrity in the forensics world because of their love of bees, and they've and they've been yeah they've been drawn out of their place. How about that?
0: Okay, that's I really like that. So that's why they're they're there. Yeah, they're kind of unwilling. How, but
1: how the hell does ape jail come? In? I'll tell you. Is...
0: I'll tell you because. Now, this is where it gets tangential, but that's okay. We're lateral thinking. You remember in the 2000s, there were a lot of protests at Huntingdon Life Sciences where they were doing tests of Alzheimer's medication on chimps. uh, But that was seen as being really unethical, And there were animal rights protesters like trying to firebomb the place. So they saw that as an ape jail. And I like to think, I don't know who this character is yet. But some sort of environmental activist uh, who has previously... No, wait, okay, I've got it. One of the police, the police who falls in love with the beekeeper, uh, was formerly undercover uh, with a load of environmental activists who were trying to burn down an ape jail. Uh, So that's how they got to know, and actually got quite passionate about environmental issues, um, including the ones that are afflicting bees.
1: If that's true, then what is it? Because like, let's just to bring it back to like the romantic comedy thing, the key thing has got to be at the beginning of the movie. There's two characters who don't want to smooch or do, but don't realize it yet or do, but something's in their way. And by the end, they not only want to smooch, but they do.
0: So what I, is, it's I think the reconciliatory point is going to be, This police's understanding of, you know, they were probably quite dismissive uh, and brutish about the activists they were undercover with. But maybe talking to the beekeeper, making them think about bees and, you know, actually causes some some really sort of deep seated compassion uh, to emerge Uh, That, yeah, maybe they had had more in common with the activists than they thought. And it takes this discussion of bees to bring it out and maybe change their outlook to such an extent that they can then gel with the beekeeper.
1: (laughs) And the beekeeper, I feel like actually a beekeeper feels to me like a good romantic archetype because they're kind of like a bit of a loner. They're a little bit quiet, so you can kind of slightly... but a little bit moody, but they're kind of, like, going to be opened up, and we're going to see their softer side. And it's kind of like, oh, my God. Wait a minute. Yeah? In the final bit, though, you have to have, like, the beekeeper... Oh, my gosh, like, the whole, like, romantic metaphor turns around this idea of, like, the bees can, like, sting once, but then they die. Yes. And the beekeeper fell in love has been in love once before That's... and then their partner tragically like either left them or died or something like basically they were stung once
0: something that a cop would do they had to have done something that a cop would blatantly do and so they they expect this literal cop to do the same
1: oh my god because what is it called when a cop does a setup uh, on a criminal a honey pot. It's a honey and trap. A, and a sting. Oh, oh my shit. god. Okay. So I've, we're we're in now, we're in. Like like there's there's really so sorry. many we points can't of call like
0: call it cat juice, we have to call it honey honey trap or sting. Well the sting oh is god. already a film, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but kinda of, if you called it if you called it the honey trap, right, that suddenly makes uh so having space to occasionally throw out an idea is great because immediately that's we've got the tone, we've got Oh my god. Oh my god. This is the thing. Yeah. So if the so if the whole thing is to try the whole like whole part of the setup is to try and lure one of the two onto this police ship so they can basically like, maybe they're working for internal affairs. Oh. Do you know that thing of like and then the person like can't go through with um with, with taking out their mark, with like bringing them in.
0: Because they fall because... in love. Yeah! Yeah. Um, oh, wow. So it's so, yeah, an undercover cop, and. Okay, so the beekeeper actually. The beekeeper is also involved.
1: Is is the So hang on, is the beekeeper the narc? No, no. Ah. Uh, no. So because then, okay, so the beekeeper has been drawn out of hiding by the other character who is, is secretly a narc? Is that what we, where we're going with this? Or
0: Well, I think t- we can't have secret narcs because we have got police ship as one of our things. It has to be a ship full of police because we've already abstracted Ape Jail. I think we have to be fairly literal on the others, just for the sake of honour. So it's a police ship. It's full of police. Uh, the beekeeper has been brought on, as you said, to give this presentation on the use of forensics. But what is the honey trap? What is the sting? What is that meant to lure? Perhaps the environmental activists, the beekeeper, might be involved with them as well, and it's hoping that by yeah you know, by booking them for this cruise, the activists will find out about it and send someone to do it in. At which point, this cop who was undercover when they burnt down the ape jail uh, can then swoop and finally sort of get their Ahab-like revenge. Hmm but when they do show up at this point the cops really sweet on the beekeeper and has actually really come round to their way of thinking
1: and they do like they do this kind of triumphant thing where they like lock the the salty and oftentimes brutish police captain is locked in the brig yeah i mean cuz you can't have it like ending like the wicker man you can't have like the <laughs> beekeepers like bees like stinging someone singing the police to death Uh, That wouldn't be be a rom-com.
0: No, but I do think there is room for a scene where the bees escape uh, towards the end, causing some light mayhem.
1: Yeah, because if the bees are stinging people, then we know, one, that those people are like... It moves from that to, like, terror. I mean, that would be a cool scene, right, for it to start off as, like, mayhem. And then... Just like slowly escalate past the point of comfort, to so we see people jumping <laughs> in the pool, to like people falling off the ship, and you're like, oh, that person's not. And then the beat, and then it just keeps going and going and going. There is there's like no one left. Um...
0: <laughs> I love the idea. That this is suddenly just like really uncomfortably changing gears at the end, but <laughs> yeah, I,
1: and and then we like cut ahead to like three weeks later as this like ship sort of floats into port rudderless without a crew and someone comes into it and there are like giant heart like heart nests like all around the ship <laughs>
0: <laughs> sorry i know that's not part of the brief it's, it's just sort of b event horizon now <laughs> but okay no i think i think we actually we done that and uh, Cool. the honey trap do you want to just uh give the the elevator pitch
1: okay so a reclusive beekeeper, a reclusive beekeeper called Catherine uh, juice called Catherine juice nice well done except say speaking job on a police cruise but she doesn't realize
0: that she's just being used to lure um a cell of eco-terrorists uh who the police captain aboard uh, has long been trying to take down ever since they burnt down an ape jail.
1: So now you say that, the police captain is a baddie, but I think also the sort of more extreme parts of the eco-terrorism have to be as well. Yes. They have to have infiltrated the crew and the other person's, their cool partner has to, has to be the one out of the eco-terrorists who takes it too far, right? So then these two points, and I am now proposing a kind of like, status quo thing where the rom-com pair at the end both liberate the the they liberate the ship from the eco-terrorists but at the same time they take out the police they so they basically are going like you it's really good that animals should be animal welfare welfare is cool killing human beings isn't cool being a policeman isn't cool either we're representing this kind of like outside is that how does that sound Do yeah you know what i mean I like I, I feel definitely... like the escalation at the end is like the ship has been taken over by the eco uh warriors right
0: i think it would get slammed for being too centrist on twitter but
1: i know that's why that's why i was stopping because i was imagining the responses where i'm going well as we all know like we all want to recycle but eco-terrorists, um, Yeah, I realised as I was saying it, I was like, oh, I'm not sure, but, but as, a, as a shape...
0: Yeah, I think this is where we park it and say there are some problematic elements of the politics behind the film, but not ones that couldn't be ironed out by some careful plotting, I don't think. We've yeah. got the elements, we, we sewed a Frankenstein together from the butcher's window... I think that was a pretty good first
1: think, effort. Yeah, although I think the world isn't 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 ready for maybe maybe that movie's too dangerous to be released. A few uh a few sacred cows being uh, slain there with the <laughs> honey trap. You thought it was a romantic comedy, but actually we're pointing the finger at the sustainable living movement and saying
0: But also, by but the way. Why,
1: but why are you always taking a, a seizing control of cruise liners? A, Mister A, because that's where it's leading. When you say maybe we should try to have less of an environmental impact on the world,
0: just yeah, uh, and and also all cops are bastards.
1: Yeah, I know as well. All all cops, all cops need to be need to be stopped. But at the same, basically, it's like a, a movie designed to appeal to no one because it's like.
0: Yeah, you know actually, which would I... everyone. It just yeah, sounds it's... like a really shit episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the more I think about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it's just...
1: <laughs>
0: it's a really, really awful idea. I love it.
1: Um, Should we roll for the next one? Yeah, that Can one's ready another? to
0: ship. Let's do another. Uh, I'll do the D10 this time. Okay. So, what are we... Oh, okay. Number 10. This one's a mockumentary. Okay.
1: Okay. Uh, and we're going to have, it's going to involve Nostril.
0: Okay, and it's going to involve, what's our second whim? Firepoy.
1: And um, Sick Tortoise.
0: Sick. Okay, and shall we go for our optional stretch goal, which is the title? Yeah, that is... do you want to roll? Yep, uh, it's Nostril again.
1: I was going to say I feel like Nostril could be the title.
0: Oh, I feel like is... if you
1: told me there was a mockumentary called Nostril, I would believe
0: it. <laughs> 80s Wrestling is the optional title. Nice. Um, or, I guess, rather than the optional title, it's title if we can get it in, and or just give it a name check somewhere. So, okay, first of all, I'm going to just ask business-like question. What is Firepoy?
1: So, Firepoy, I heard you're like, my... so Firepoy is like, you know, hacky sack? Yeah. It's like burning hacky sacks.
0: Oh, I'm just googling it now and it's oh yeah it looks cool like serpents of flame whirling around yeah. people's hands
1: yeah exactly yeah it's the kind of thing you see at festivals occasionally in sort of people's uh, gardens like late at night if they're that way inclined um it's yeah it's it's like uh it's like kind of like street uh performer uh, uh, like fire based performance
0: well okay look the first thing that i think we've landed on our feet here um, because as you say, that is firepoint touches on a lot of things. It's pyrotechnics. It's sort of street stuff. It's festival stuff. Um, and both nostril and sick tortoise sound like stage names of some kind, whether that's for wrestlers, whether that's heavy metal bands, whether that's graffiti artists, MCs. Um, do you know what I mean?
1: yeah I think you're right as well i th- I feel like um I feel like sick tortoise is definitely an accidental band name right
0: yeah uh, well there, there was a post rock band called tortoise i think uh or some sort of prog type outfit I know I tried to listen to them in an attempt to be cool in sick form but I don't really remember much uh,
1: well, let, let's go with let's go with let's go with um I think like if we if we go with like the '80s wrestling thing, so this has got to be like a kind of off circuit sort of. This is a kind of in a this this it can't have been totally mainstream. These are like wrestlers who were not um, so like low. You know the premise of it. Yeah, 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 exactly. So then we're like, but we're like these are people who were were not like the first tier of
0: uh, wrestlers. It sounds like a sort of okay. Well, it's a mockumentary. We've got to avoid just like basically Spinal Tap. Like we're going to yeah. come up with something different to that. Like it's got to be okay. A so face. forget the
1: band. Then if we're gonna have if you're gonna have sick sick tortoise, um, then sick tortoise is a uh, was a character was a was a eighties wrestling persona. So basically this is a mockumentary about it's a mockumentary but mockumentaries can be i think sick tortoise it's kind of like in search of sugar man style thing Mm. is like it's a kind of what where is sick tortoise now sick tortoise this briefly mysterious cult figure almost kind of like kaufman-esque wrestler who broke a lot of the apparent rules of wrestling at the time and yet and, and nobody knows who the person was behind the persona.
0: OK, here's two ways to develop that. Um, Nostril is the name of this. I love the idea of this sort of Kaufman figure. Nostral was their name. And okay. the, this is just bright This is bending the rules a bit, but it might be worth it. Maybe the name of the mockumentary is Sick Tortoise. Um,
1: okay great
0: like, have you seen there's a drama film called Tyrannosaurus Rex and you think it's going to be about a T-Rex but it's about a hard man in Glasgow um, it's like, oh it's a metaphor oh. um, like Sick Tortoise just sounds like a a great mockumentary name about an enigmatic wrestler the, yeah. o- the other option I'd like to float past you though um, it still I think keeps this within because I mean what we know about 80s wrestlers, and I'm, I'm really interested in, in the craft of, and the history of wrestling. Um, the, these guys have had horrific um, substance abuse stories in a lot of cases. And I'm wondering if both Sick Tortoise and Nostril are drugs that might have gone round. A Sick Tortoise, oh. so-called, because it makes you sort of <laughs> lie on your back weakly, sort of oh flailing your limbs. Oh, my God
1: yes
0: you know like um that crocodile drug from russian y- y- prisons
1: yeah that like eats your flesh
0: yeah only it's sick total okay so
1: not but then okay so this is a really niche corner of the 80s wrestling scene i say like i would say like how about then that um how about that this is like uh a, 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 like a, a, a like a tiny underground part of the 80s wrestling scene that was like behind the iron curtain so it's like all the wrestlers are they where american wrestling is kind of passed around this kind of currency of this other world and they are doing their own versions of it but because it's like done secretly because it's making no money and because they've only got certain things to work off like nostril is this kind of character that comes out it was like a, a a this legendary figure on the scene Mm. uh, who came on, who would come on scene on stage doing fire poi, but it's also about like descent into taking sick tortoise.
0: tortoise. I think that is, I I love the Iron Curtain thing. I love the idea of um, like, I've been reading a history of the Berlin Zoo recently. um, And there's really interesting, uh, I mean, that zoo has an incredible, incredibly rich interesting and at times deeply like troubling traumatic history there was you know this great story about how when the berlin Wall was up the east german authorities wanted a zoo to match it so they built the tier park which is the biggest uh, zoo in europe at the time and you know it's it's that um anything you can do we can do better thing and i'd love the i don't know if that did happen with pro wrestling but i really like that as the idea of a setting for this Uh, This mockumentary. However, I think lining up Nostral, Firepoy and Sick Tortoise to all be about the same person could be a bit of a stretch. I think maybe, you know, the Firepoy person is a a separate character to Nostral in this. But before we examine that, my, my question to you really is why is this a mockumentary? Because at the moment, it sounds like a documentary just about something that didn't happen.
1: Yeah, I've kind of gone for... I've naturally gone for quite serious tone-wise, haven't I?
0: And that's fine. I think serious... Have there been any serious mockumentaries?
1: (laughs) I suppose, like, the mock-you, we always think of it as being comedy, but you could just have a documentary that's... Not not, real. A a mockumentary that's just... Yeah, a documentary that's just about something fictional. Because
0: it happens in like, horror all the time with found footage, and that's not really mock document. I mean, the best example I could think of, and it's still a comedy, but it's kind of not, have you seen Troll Hunter? No, I haven't. Oh, wow, that is a movie. It's really good. Um, It's sort of built as a creature feature about trolls, uh, but it's actually a really dry satire of Norwegian public sector work, and also there's trolls. It's one of my favourite movies, actually. I love it. But again, that's sort of, it's kind of found footage. I'm trying to think if anyone's just done a straight up, like fictional Werner Herzog sort of business.
1: I don't know. But it would be exciting to think about it, isn't it? Should we, can I just like say, should we um, do like one more, maybe? If we like go on to the, uh, th- it, go on to one more, I
0: feel like. Should we let, let this one sit where it is?
1: Yeah, yeah, I was wondering whether we could do... Just to give them, like another example for people. Rule
0: of threes, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, let's do a third one. Uh, do you want to do the D10 on this?
1: Uh, here goes. So I got five, which is... Martial arts. Martial arts. Okay, I'm into this. Um, okay, you roll the D20 first.
0: Okay, right. Our first number is 13, which is... Haunted adverts.
1: And then twelve, which is gullible dad.
0: I mean, those are two tastes that go well together, aren't they?
1: They are, yeah.
0: Uh, let's do our final dice roll, well, our penultimate one. Okay, this is fifteen, which is a river of fire. And then, oh my god, I'm into this. Let's have our final one, uh, our optional '90s booze cruises. Okay, that that one could be more trickier, although I can see it. The natural connection with Gullible Dad, so...
1: Yeah, okay. Oh. And a haunted advert as well,
0: right? Come on then, Tim, where does this one begin? I think this is, this is the one we knock out of the park.
1: Okay, right, great. Okay, so it seems it seems to me... So it's got to have martial arts at some... <laughs> Uh, level i feel like the the river of fire suggests to me some i'm just trying to get two bits together because haunted advert sounds to me a bit like a kind of ring style thing is would be my first way of getting into that it's the 90s booze cruise thing if i like take that away then i'm it's a lot easier without
0: that isn't it
1: Mm, it's a lot it's kind of easier but it, it feels like it connects better but actually then i feel like i've got less restriction so
0: okay so uh, the the river of fire
1: the river of fire is going to be representing and it'll probably be a literal river of fire in some way as well because this is a martial arts movie but it's going to represent like the final like barrier that's got to be crossed or some kind of um it makes me feel that this is going to be somehow interdimensional this journey that this is a martial arts movie but a kind of uh, Mortal Combat style fantasy martial arts.
0: I got a pitch for you, based on exactly okay. that. Okay, so this is it's very much in the. There was a big eighties thing, which it might be a slightly racist trope, but of like a, like mysterious Chinese shops in San Francisco, like in Gremlins, that happened.
1: Can we? Okay, can we take the the essence of that trope, which is a a kind of like a bric-a-brac shop. With things of unknown origin and Let's take the race decolonize out, of it. out of it, yeah right because because the good thing about it is you go into a shop full of supposedly ordinary things and there could be wonders hidden anywhere that's cool and doesn't rely on kind of like pigeonholing one culture or people so how can we
0: and actually that, take it's a it... really common thing in the 80s, is isn't it with like the the movie where the haunted um fortune telling machine turns, the child into a man and things like that. So, A uh, big? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. Uh, one way or another, um, actually, it might not have to involve uh, a weird shop at all. A martial arts movie is, is a set-up for a series of big set-piece fights. This is about a, a kid whose gullible dad falls for a haunted advert and ends up being transported to some sort of low-risk fantasy hell... And the child okay, so then has to enter the television nice. and fight their way through uh, this uh. sort of satanic landscape to rescue their dads.
1: Yeah. So awesome. And the thing that pulls their dad in is a kind of like uh, uh, red top style offer for um, you're going to be able to go across so the river of fire the booze cruise is like you so the advert is about going across it talks about going across the channel and it says you know you just cross over just a short hop across the water and um oh the on sort a of ferry. that
0: really winks at the reader yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: yeah and it'd be like just a short hop ac- across the across the across the water and you'll be able to have all the drink you want and actually this river of fire it's a kind of like charon style uh, stygian river where the dad has like crossed over into some kind of hell where he's been tempted in the in the manner of uh spirited away right yeah and the kid is going to have to go in like you're saying And and basically like martial arts, all these different monsters and things to go and fetch his dad back from cheap booze hell.
0: And of course, the whole thing is, you know, it's one of those absolute allegorical pieces about the relationship between the son and his father. No, actually, let's let's maybe be a bit different here. Let's make it a daughter. A daughter and their father. Okay, cool, yeah,
1: yeah, nice, yes. And it obliquely tackles
0: alcoholism as well, I suppose, but we'd need to not do it in a... Well, no, because those sort of movies don't tackle these things in tremendously delicate ways. I suppose, you know, it's just a question of how much you want to leave a subtext.
1: But, like, definitely... Okay, so the dad... I think definitely, like, the dad is cracking open a cold one in the day watching a bit of TV, right? Yeah. So he's not, like, completely smashed, but he used to be... He used to be a martial artist, right? Or he used to do it semi-professionally. Of course. And then he had a big... he There was, like, a big showcase fight where he got injured or he messed up, and he's kind of given up. And he just and... keeps going
0: to France to buy loads of small, cheap lagers... Um, and <laughs> yeah. just sits around watching daytime tv
1: yeah so are you are you, you... <laughs> and 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 then and and like his daughter he like she can't understand he's he's always kind of like sort of like discuss... they don't have a great relationship so really this is about her going back and fixing their relationship and then the final set piece is going to be them fighting back to back as he gets to drop like the moves that he screwed up like this big difficult like triple point kick in midair yeah. um during his exhibition match and together the two of them pull it off to like kick crap out of this demon.
0: And the movie's called River of Fire, and that means three things, because there is a literal River of Fire where the final confrontation takes place. There's the sort of the you know, the, the arch commentary on on daytime drinking and the sort of the uh, the river of fire uh, that is these small, inexpensive French lagers, but you know which are a torrent when they add up. But also, there's a climactic speech uh, where actually the daughter has lost her nerve while battling through hell, and it's actually the father that encourages her, you know, to fight on. It's like, look, there's a river of fire that runs through us. You know? so, he,
1: so he finds his. So he finds his will to fight. When he sees that his daughter is going to give up, yeah. without him stepping up to the plate and saying, "It's like you've got to, you've got to fight." Like he and he's repeating words that were once said to him that he's forgotten. Exactly, he's forgotten them.
0: There's a river of fire that runs that runs through us. Look, I'll show you. And then he just like boots the devil's head off. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, just like, I love
1: the idea that his martial art is like, actually when you see it being practised, is like really brutish. It's just killing. It's just, <laughs> just, yeah, it's just, yeah, just really violent. It's just grabbing people and like ripping their arm off. No finesse, but it's really powerful. I think, I, I like the, oh. I think the, I, I was going to say like, Taking, like, a uh, Back to the Future 2 kind of, like, spin, which I think is should be our touchstone for all uh, movie excellence. I think she's got to be facing, like, as a, maybe she's a teen or she's just going into her teen years and, like, teenage peer pressure to drink. Like, we know that there's going to be a party going, coming up, that she's been told, like, oh, you shouldn't oh, yeah. go to this, but the kids are all going to be boozing and maybe there's even, they're even sort of lighting some sambuka or something, creating a river of fire, if you will. But like, we know that she's being pressured to kind of like get wrecked. And those teens that we see in that kind of like establishing bit of the movie are then mirrored in some of the demon creatures that she then faces on her quest to get her dad.
0: Oh, yeah, because they've always got to be really bald parallels of real life threats haven't yeah they?
1: yeah exactly exactly yeah
0: wow we've oh. just basically come up with an ultra violent never-ending story and i'm really here for it
1: you were right like the third one was the charm i think that i feel like that could plausibly be a movie though i feel like without taking a piss that could plausibly be a martial art teen martial arts movie river of fire uh, yeah, recreating the magic
0: of Three Ninja Kids kickback. back. Yeah, I think Sick, be- Sick Tortoise was a good melancholy take on. Do you know what? Actually, it's got exactly it's it's the wrestler with Mickey Rook, but it's it's set behind the Iron Curtain, uh, and it's you know the film style is mockumentary, you know, but that it's it's an aesthetic choice. Really, it's a very sad film about wrestlers uh, called Sick Tortoise. Uh, and then The Honey Trap, yeah, it's basically, we went to our investors and said, look, we want something that catches uh, the appeal of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, but is set on a, a boat with the movie magic that was bottled in Hotel Transylvania 3, A Monster Vacation. Um, I think those are three powerful films. <laughs> if anyone's, I mean,
1: I'm going to edit this down, so don't worry. I was going to say if anyone's still listening, but I like the idea that out of outside of this of this hot house of christian because that maybe this episode will just come off as like oh this is what happens when you get into a brainstorming session in the room with no one stepping in going (laughs) that we just sound we just sound like we're tripping balls and going hey hey we just we just realized right there's like seven there's seven notes eight in an octave and an octopus can play a piano and then we like go uh, and the person who's come in with just a plate of biscuits is like going um okay Uh, are we going we've solved it no i i think that i mean the because of course the purpose here is not for us although we have accidentally backed into greatness um was not for us to create actual saleable films but just showing how much fun you can have when you Because we'd literally done this semi-randomly, right? Yeah. And, And it's a show like how none of these ideas were in either of our heads before we started.
0: There were some moments there we got to where I genuinely cared about the stories we could tell as a result of these. And it was because of the connections we managed to draw between completely arbitrary points.
1: Yeah, I think, I, I think it's like it's when the idea, when something, a story sparks between two unrelated things and makes a connection, I think that is intrinsically attractive to the human brain.
0: Well, we're, we're pattern recognition machines, right? Yeah,
1: exactly, exactly. And immediately it's like, oh, I could build a new synapse there. I could lay down those uh, myelin sheaths and create kind of like new synaptic pathways between gullible dad and... And a haunted advert. Okay, I'm in. Like, my my brain definitely loves those kind of
0: things. I think River of Fires definitely, yeah, Third War's the charm, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that maybe um that's a good time to kind of like uh, uh, ramp things up. Is there anything, um by the way, that you can... That you're doing, then what you up to at the moment? Uh, what can if people want to find you online,
0: how can they do so? I'm doing a huge amount at the moment, but I, absolutely all of it is chained to massive non-disclosure agreements. So I'm I'm doing um, got an exciting project coming up with with Games Workshop uh, that I've been working on. I have got some new uh, journalistic work uh, in in the offing, which I'll be able to announce soon. Uh, I have a um, a book about to be announced with Harper Voyager. People are
1: just going to, because you've mentioned three things now, people will have just simply plugged into those voids. The honey trap.
0: <laughs> Sick tortoise and a river of fire
1: yeah yeah they'll be going oh wow, so we're waiting for a river of fire to come out it's like you've cleverly we've come come up with this whole show as an elaborate way to get round non-disclosure agreements
0: yeah this was all just <laughs> one big ugly pitch uh for my, for my <laughs> But no, uh, everything's. I've got loads of stuff announcing in the next month, basically. So I would suggest, uh, if you would like to, come and follow me on Twitter at Frog Croakley, F R O G C R O A K L E Y. So Frog I'll put that link Croakley. in the show notes. Um, and you can find out what I do um, and what I'm going to be doing there. Okie dokie. Thank you so much for your time.
1: I really appreciate your coming on, and I've had great fun. And. Um, I'll download this thing and I'll put up in the show notes as well uh, a link to the doc on my website so people can see what we're working from. I hope this has been useful to everyone uh, listening as well. Certainly an insight into um, some ways you can
0: shake things up. Yeah, try the table for yourselves. Uh, I'd love to know what you come up with.
1: I'd love to know what people come up with. It's a great one to do with writing groups as well. Um, Everybody listening, have a lovely writing week and I shall see and hear from you soon.